picks up everything. With a week to go before the draft, the NHL offseason is starting to pick up steam. Kevin Fiala has a new home, as do several head coaching candidates, including one of the Blues' very own. Jim Montgomery, we hardly knew thee, but we wish you the best. Plus, three Swedes and a Quebecer walk into a Toronto mall, and it's not the start of a joke. It's the beginning of a new Hockey Hall of Fame class. We'll discuss this Hall of Fame candidacy of the new inductees and who in the world might be next. It's a lot to cover, so let's get started and let's go Blues. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Thursday. Why did I almost say January? June thirtieth. It will be July by the time we finish this podcast, mm. probably. Isn't that crazy? What a year! Um, Happy July first. That's right. That famously celebrated holiday in the United States. Mm. The first. 1st of July, Most although it important. will be Canada Day, so happy Canada Day to our Canadian Whatever. feline listeners. I did have a friend, uh, one of our co-workers actually, who is a Canadian, and she mentioned um, celebrating Canada Day tomorrow, and I thought, no, you're not. I thought <laughs> Canada, Canada Day was only a holiday when uh, it was also free agency day, and now that it's not, uh, you know it's made up so uh ian before we get started with a positive wonderful hockey talk uh i thought i should ask you a question you remember when um when we were children and our dads would fall asleep on the couch and we thought not us never oh, us. yeah <laughs> what did you do tonight ian? <laughs> i i did i'm surprised i haven't tell you i don't even think i told you that it was on the couch i mean it oh, could have been on my bed but no <laughs> yeah. it was on the couch it was on our brand new couch that we got Ooh, you'll get to see nice. it. it's quite nice uh, I just, i'm excited to... about seeing this house Ian. this couch I'm is expecting dope. a lot expecting um, a lot just expect a nice couch that's it <laughs> <laughs> a nice couch and a, a view of uh a st louis area high school i almost gave away too much <laughs> I almost gave oh, you almost triangulated my location yeah. <laughs> i would have been, been in my backyard in no time <laughs> that's right uh yeah so uh, uh but you woke I, up i wasn't sleeping Stephen. i was resting my eyes that's that's people right. say that's right what a weird thing that people choose to be um stubborn stubborn about but we all do it that's the other weird thing we all do it like why is it why do we perceive it as like an insult that somebody says you're falling asleep and we're like no we're not you know it's like, <laughs> anyway humans have some weird interactions that are just like standard baseline we all do this sort of stuff you know mm-hmm. and that's one of them um so yeah there's i, I was trying to think of a clever transition but i can't the colorado avalanche are stanley cup champions um i don't think this is a surprise compared you know based on where we were when we last spoke mm-hmm. um but it's official they've done it they've they've prevented the three-peat 
winning in six games, taking the final game in Tampa Bay. Kale McCarr wins the Conn Smythe Trophy. He is 22, 23 years old. 23, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Eric Johnson, the first non-captain to lift the cup. Appropriate, I think, the 2006 first overall pick. Um, Nazem Kadri stole a lot of the conversation after the fact because he uh, went on Canadian national TV and said, I've had supporters in my corner day, day one, never wavered. And for everyone that thought I was a liability in the playoffs, you can kiss my ass, he said. Um, and then uh, Nicholas Alve Kubel dropped the Stanley Cup and himself on the way to the team photo. Um, it was severely dented on the bottom, the not mm-hmm. having any names on it run. But, you know, that's that's kind of the beauty of the Stanley Cup. That stuff is almost supposed to happen. Right, right. I think um, a lot of people are having fun with that, but I've seen some people like, it's just kind of disrespectful. I'm like, bro, I'm not, I'm like, not trying to be Ken Campbell, but people, there's like dogs eating like toaster ravioli out of it. Like, <laughs> just, you just abuse the shit out of it. Um, also, he, he goes like, to the silversmith, you know. He, he wasn't doing it on purpose. It's not like right. you know, like that picture. That picture they have of that the entire team reacting to him falling down is fantastic. I heard it's about like that a, picture, and I need Avs watch Abe Kubel. <laughs> Let me see if I can get this. I do like picture. googling. I do like googling like full sentences and being like, "Come on, Google, come on, <laughs> you yeah." Can do it. <laughs> Uh, it's just it was I'll just funny. It it's a um, very a renaissance and like this would be a renaissance painting. You look at everybody's face and they're like, every everyone's doing something different. Um, some of those people seem happy, happy surprised, and some seem genuinely shocked. I think there's like an assistant coach that looks like he's about to like lose his mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, this entire group deserved it. Um, I saw people kind of poking fun at cadre a bit and they're like well you know you were a liability you know up until the season it's like yeah I mean I don't think I don't think people are wrong he definitely has been in the past this doesn't necessarily erase it but like it's a it's a fun quote it's a fun line from somebody that just won the cup and I mean I don't, I don't know that this team was going to be denied I know Tampa was leading in this game in periods just I think maybe only over by a goal but it looked like maybe they'd be able to push for a game seven and then I think Tampa like Tampa like lost their mind like in the in the second period they it really did yeah it was literally like watching the entire team have a mental break like <laughs> and they just and just were like I think they their minds went before their bodies or maybe their minds finally went just like some of their bodies did and uh it, it was just over at that point I mean it's a little I always find it a little sad when a team wins on the road just because I kind of want to see like the the hometown reaction and everything. But I mean, I'm sure Avs fans obviously don't care. We didn't care when Blues won in Boston. So it's, it's fun. I mean, Kale McCarr, I think for me, he was very impressive before these playoffs. And I was like, yeah, he's a very good player. Like he was, you know, top, I don't know. 30 in the league or something you know he's very good and then uh-huh. he's written his story into being like top 10 at least in the league now like at the bar minimum he's like top 10 
And he's already, he's got a Stanley Cup. He's got a Con Smythe. He's got a, a Norris. He has the uh, Calder the year he was a rookie. Like he has so much individual hardware already at 23. And I'm assuming is only going to get better. It's kind of insane um, what we're seeing. I know mm-hmm. obviously he didn't get like as many first place votes as Yossi did this year for the Norris and everything. So there is like, there is someone within the realm of like his greatness, but at the same time, Yossi is like 30, right? And yeah. Yossi's on a whole different team. And as much as he's scored this much this year, I just don't think he's going to score that much next year. Like to me, that feels more like a high blip in his career, not trying to take too much away from him. Whereas Makara, this feels like almost like a stepping stone. I'm like, uh, I think he could do even better. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy to me that you can have Nathan McKinnon on your team uh, and you can be like, yeah, I don't know if he's the best player <laughs> anymore on your mm-hmm. team. It's very, it's very um, McDavid, Dreisaitl ask where it's like, Leon Dreisaitl is amazing and he's not even the best player on the team. Yeah. Um, it's upsetting as a Blues fan to know that this will <laughs> be part of our future. Um, but it's from, you know, you take your yourself out of that fandom a little bit and, it's really amazing to see. Yeah, I think um, I think he definitely has put himself in that conversation up there with like uh, McDavid and Matthews and who else as like potentially. I mean, we talked about it that one time. It's like those two forwards, Makar on defense and Vasilevsky and goal in my opinion have put themselves like uh, somehow a tier beyond even the best players on Mm -hmm. you know in any other category and I love that like you know (laughs) this freaking game didn't actually do that much to damage Vasilevsky's like um elimination game stats you know i mean it's a two to one win but like um it ended up being a very low scoring series after the like after the back-to-back games that were basically blowouts each direction you Mm know um i don't know it's just uh it was the right final it was the two best teams it was the how often in the nhl have we ever entered a season believing we know who the two best teams are and then gotten to see them in the stanley cup final right after they proved the whole time that they were the two best teams you know it's not like one of them dropped off and one of them i mean i guess you could say well the lightning weren't actually that good in the regular season but like that's how they've been you know they realized mm. they won a president's trophy and got swept so they realized yeah we're not going to do that anymore we're gonna (laughs) you know hold enough in reserve for the playoffs that we have the had the horses to get through them you know so um really good season uh uh and before we move on i just um i had to address this tweet (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry ian you 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 sent me this tweet or somebody did it was it you one of one of our justin one of our cadre which is not a not an intentional pun on Nazem Kadri, but could have been of uh, people um, or groupies, if you will. Uh, <laughs> sent this tweet. Uh, this 
Ian, this makes me so angry. Like on, I, I don't know why it makes me quite as irrationally angry as it does, but um, I think it's time we bring back our favorite segment. <laughs> From the grave. No, not one. Two of our favorite segments, <laughs> because this will be a combination of the dumbest tweet I've ever heard this week and uh, Five Minute Major, oh. because I think it's going to tiptoe the line between those. Uh, Andy Strickland tweets, I keep hearing about how the go-as-go were able to build a winner. McKinnon first overall, Landis Cog second, McCarr fourth, Byram fourth, and Rantanen tenth is a good starter. Um, now, in a vacuum, that might not seem quite as, you know, negative as, as I read it, um, but Strickland has been pretty vocally critical of the Avs ever since, ever since the Blues lost. And let me start there. Stop it. Not, not just Andy Strickland, any of you. Just stop. Just stop. You look like you look like horses' asses. I gotta tell you, you look so bad trying to play the will. But if Bennington had been healthy, he wasn't though. And mm-hmm. you know, neither was Sam Gerard after we injured him, and neither was Kadri for a lot. Like people get hurt, and it's just such a yikes look. And honestly, I. I would have more sympathy for it if we were still a cupless team, but we won the cup. So get over it. Sometimes you're not going to win it, but more specifically to Andy Strickland's tweet, this is the dumbest take I think I've ever seen about hockey. His contention is that because they had some high draft picks, they don't deserve credit for building a championship caliber team. I assume but let's dig into that a little bit because um, what he neglects to mention here, he named five, five top 10 first round picks. Uh, what he neglects to mention is that there is only one player, uh, one other player on this championship roster who was drafted by the avalanche. And that's Alex Newhook. Those are the six. That's it. So the other what's the 17 players, I'm good at math. <laughs> the other 17 players, were not drafted by the avalanche. But what what's more than that that drives me crazy is like his contention is that because they had picks in the first round, I guess his his argument is basically that like you can't screw up top 10 picks, which is mm-hmm. inconceivably stupid. I mean, unbelievably incredibly stupid especially in the nhl especially rantanen it's one thing to talk about top five picks it's another thing to talk about the 10th overall pick it just demonstrates that you know nothing about like the likelihood of picks to succeed and the exponential drop off as you move Mm -hmm. away from like the top three picks like even the top three let alone the first round even the top three as you move outside of those the likelihood of those guys becoming nhl players drops off considerably I'm not sitting here pretending the 10th doesn't have a pretty good shot of being a decent player, but a player as good as Nico Rantanen is far from a guarantee. Mm. Um, and, you know, then it just it forgets particulars of each of these situations, which is, you know, McKinnon was not by any means a consensus first overall pick the year he came out. That was the same year as Seth Jones. There were questions about Nathan McKinnon. Um, there were questions about 
you know, whether he was quite as good as he looked or whether he had the staying power in the NHL, Seth Jones seemed like the safer pick to a lot of people because he just seemed like a very solid, polished defenseman. Um, and so it was far from a sure thing that McKinnon would get go first overall. He did. Um, and then Jones actually fell to fourth after Barkov and Drouin. But that was far from a certain thing. Landis Cog was second overall. He went over guys like Ryan Strom and um, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau went right after him. Adam Larson, I'm sure, had a lot of people talking about him. Mika Zibanejad, Mark Shifley, Sean Couturier all drafted in the top 10. No guarantee he should have been your second overall pick. Uh, Makar arguably is like, the best fit for his argument because I remember that draft really well um, because I was watching it with Ash correspondent Jordan and it was that kind of situation where it's like okay the first two picks are he sure and Patrick and that's a guarantee and which just doesn't we just don't know which is which and then the next two picks are for sure Heiskin and McCarr and we just don't know which is which so when the Az were fourth they got the fourth of those four guys it worked out really well for them um, but it just, and then, I mean, I can't even, I can't even calculate the stupidity of the Rantman thing, it, suggesting that getting a 10th overall pick that right is somehow like a gimme or not something that their front office deserves credit for. Uh, let's here, here's the next, here's the next five after Miko Rantman. Okay. These are the next five guys they could have drafted. You ready for this? Mm. Lawson Cruz fine player but not great Dennis Gurionov Jacobs Borrell not mm-hmm. an NHL player to my knowledge Jake DeBrusque and Zachary Sinchin you have to get all the way down to 16 to have another player that's like even a real contributor at the NHL level is that random you know? draft the one where Boston had like three picks in a row uh, yeah, because those were the three. Is a world DeBrusque and Sinch. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. I was like, man, DeBrusque's yeah. in there. So the other two have to be the. Ugh. Anyways. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then, I just and don't. Then, I... And then the worst part, though, Ian, is right after that. So they go as the world DeBrusque Sinchin 13 through 15, 16 through 18 are Barzal, Kyle Connor, and Thomas Shabbat. <laughs> Oh my God! They just gave Mike Sweeney a contract extension, baby. After was... after he forced, after he forced, uh, what's his name out of town? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Anyway, let's not get off topic. I, I, I guess I'm done ranting about the Strickland tweet. Uh, it's just like you just look like a horse's ass, Andy. You look well, like, like a horse's ass. It's like training um, has a big part. In building a team like it's not just like oh what did you do in the draft like that that obviously that's another yeah. big part of building a team for sure but they were bad so that's where they drafted like also, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you only you can only play the games you're given you can only play the team that's put in front of you like you can only draft where people where your draft position is and they were bad so that's their that's their position and they and they drafted good players that's what you're supposed to do also, I hadn't even thought of this yet, but fucking Bowen Byron was a pick they traded for. He was part of the Matt Duchesne trade. Oh, that's right. So yeah. that's not even a pick they had. God, this 
this asshole. Oh God, that drives <laughs> me so crazy. I'm sorry. Like I should be more respectful and, and polite, but like, it's so Andy, dumb. It's, Andy Strickland's like a little rat though. So. It's so dumb. It's, it's so bad and just an embarrassment that that's like part of our Twitter culture. And, and like this, it, Jordan pointed out, which I thought was hilarious. He's like, doesn't this guy primarily cover the team uh, that drafted Eric Johnson first overall? Like, if anyone's mm. going to understand <laughs> the first overall picks, which, you know, I actually was so happy to see Eric Johnson lift the cup. Right. I, you know, I'm probably in the minority, but like, what a cool moment for a guy that, you know, has not had, he's ended up having a really good NHL career, but he has not had the smoothest or, or best or most pleasant NHL career all the time. Um, so that made me happy. And for those of you that it didn't make happy, you know, just, I, it's fine, but just consider therapy if you're still bitter at Eric Johnson for some reason, you know? Uh, we won a cup. We won a cup thanks to, in part, to trading the guy we traded Eric Johnson for. <laughs> that's how long ago. And we won that cup three years ago, so that's like how long domino ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, this dude's been going off the team. I mean, even I'm kind of guilty of being like, well, he was, you know, that was kind of recent. That was 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you just look at the Avalanche and it's like all so many of their major contributors were guys that they not only traded for, but like robbed from another team. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't look at It's not on cap friendly. Oh, yeah, there they are. Like uh, Nazem Kadri, obviously, they got for almost nothing. Tyson Berry, um, Valeri Nichushkin, same. Andre Burkowski, same. Arturi Lekin, and they got, you know, I think a more expensive rental. Uh, Abe Kubel, who, you know, jokes aside, played an important role as a, as a, you know, grinder, fourth and third line kind of forward. He was a waiver claim. Um, obviously, you know, you can talk forever about Devin Taze for two second round picks. Um, <laughs> Darcy Kemper, you know, they paid a, a lot for him, but like, dude won a cup. So like, what mm. price is too high to pay for a goalie that can win you a cup? And I know we'd all sit here and say, you know, well, yeah, he want he was there when they won a cup, but Darcy Kemper didn't win them a cup. And sure, but like he had to beat Andre Vasilevsky. He had to stop more goals than Andre Vasilevsky, and he did, you know. So mm. like very um like, shades of Chris Osgood, where I was like, Yeah, man, like sure he's not like standing on his head and he's like the reason they won the cup, but like you don't necessarily want that to be the case. You want your whole team to be playing well, and they did. And he was he was in the right spots at the right time. I mean, yeah. to me, it's crazy to think that they had Grubauer last year and for mm -hmm. however many years prior to that, um, and then he let and he left. And I know they're obviously they had Kemper in their back pocket to sign, but like that was still kind of a risk, right? Like Kemper goes to Edmonton or he goes wherever, and then they're left kind of holding the bag because they just don't yeah. have anybody like I remember being kind of a little nervous for them where I was like man your goalie just left and like what are you gonna, like what are you gonna do if you don't get like the one you mm -hmm. want so this was a little risky and, and it paid off for them in the long run but yeah there's yeah. so many trades and trades don't like trades for the blues tend to work out pretty well so you know generally speaking we haven't seen a bad trade in a while at least not a significant one but like for lots of teams bad trades happen pretty frequently and so like the all fact the teams that, on the other end of blues and avalanche yeah, exactly. <laughs> i was like the fact that they were pretty much 
hit after hit after hit. Like you said, some of them are a little pricey, but like it ends up winning you a cup. Like that's a huge boon in terms of like talking about if you're if you're good at building a team. Like yeah. really, to me, this is almost like the. I, I mean, you, there's a lot of different ways to build a team, right? But like this is almost like the perfect way to do it, where it's like you sucked, so you got high picks and you hit on your high picks. And then you took whatever other capital you had and traded it for what you needed at the time to complete your team. And then you won the freaking cup. Like I, I get a little annoyed with blues fans patting themselves on the back all the time. Where we're like, you know, the blues do really well when they're drafting, you know, 952nd overall for their first pick every year, you know, when they're drafting 23rd, they do really well. And they do. But it's just almost become a meme where they're just like, you know, the Blues haven't drafted very high and they're still doing well. So hats off to them. I'm like, yeah, yes, yes. But if you really want to, if this team ever really wants to rebuild or something and shit hits the fan, pretty much Doug Armstrong, ladies, right? This is what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to suck for a while to get those shit. They did it in, you know, from 2005 to like 2008, 2009. Like that's what you're supposed to do. So I just don't yeah. understand why they're like this thing the abs did that I can literally name like five other teams are attempting to do right now. That's the wrong way to do it. Yeah. And also like you talk about the blues, I guess, I guess that's part of his contract contrast is like, well, the, the blues didn't have a lot of high draft picks. It's like they were built around Alex Petrangelo, who was what a fourth overall pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were built they had other guys. They I realized they traded for him, but they had Alex um, Jay Bowmeister, who was like a second overall pick. Jaden Schwartz and Vladimir Tarasenko were back to back, fifteen and seventeen, I think, in the first round. Like every team, that's how you build teams. That's one of the ways you build teams. So it's just like, yeah, know. no, no one's filled. No one's team is like half like fourth rounders and lower it's not like oh man we got so many fucking sixth rounders on our team it's like it's like yeah i mean i guess if you if this argument was ever going to work it might work might have worked like if the oilers had done it like five years ago and it was like well gee i guess it was good for them to get three out of four straight lottery picks or whatever you know yeah, but like yeah. that's about the only time that you can conceivably be like they don't they aren't really a good team because they <laughs> built through the draft it's like okay man whatever i feel um, like that that's essentially the tweet yeah but um we've made we've given enough airtime to andy strickland on this podcast uh let's uh, do as a hockey as all hockey podcasts do, Ian, uh, let's talk a minute about the Tampa Bay Lightning before we move on. Um, what a great, what a, I would say, Ian, I'm going to, not a lot of people have said this. <laughs> I'm going to make a controversial statement right now, even without the third cup dynasty, they're a dynasty. And I'm going to say I'm the only person who has the bravery to say this, but I'm going to say they're a dynasty. Do you That's agree? Right. You have to agree, and do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so you agree that Tampa Bay Lightning are a dynasty. Um, I mean, I think that I think in the modern cap era, they are. I think it's kind of silly. I think it was Chris Johnson was like, "I want to give it to him, but I just can't because they didn't win the third one." He was like, "Legit, like I re- they're so close, but I think that third cup." maybe, you know, next year or the year after, that's what they need to be a dynasty. And I was like, 
Nah, dog. Maybe like in the eighties, you'd be like, oh, two cups in a row. That's fucking small shit, you know." <laughs> but like in the cap era, for real, like someone was trying to be like three. I don't know. If it was two cups in a row and very close to a third. Too. Yeah, it's like not, the the. It's not like this the, is a zero. Yeah, this is a zero season for them. Two the cups Penguins in a row, won their two and then went out in the first round. I think right to the Capitals. Right. So like, um, yeah. I mean, it's. I don't even know how you argue it. And they don't have that kind of, I mean, they have several incredibly good players, but they don't really have that Sidney Crosby type where he's like, they're not a dynasty. He's a dynasty, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's a much more balanced, well-built team. Right. I think too, if like, if people want to be like, well, I don't think they're a dynasty, but okay. So can we say that they're like, one of like the two or three best teams in the cap era so far. And so I was like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well then I don't really care what word you use. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I just don't give a shit. Um, yeah. There, I mean, we haven't had a team go to three finals in a row since like the, the Oilers or whatever in the eighties or the Islanders. Like that's, that's unheard of the fact that they had to essentially like blow up more or less like their bottom six every year. Mm-hmm. to do this to like to keep coming back and then and it worked every time like they literally just replaced their whole third line with another third line that also is good um <laughs> maybe they're not quite as good as last year with like the three that they lost but it's it's very impressive and the fact that they i think they're signing nick paul like nick paul's going to stay there and they're going to have him like they find ways to get things done like i should be surprised if they sign Andre Palat and keep him, but I won't be surprised if they sign Andre Palat and keep him because every year I hear about how the Tampa Bay Lightning are about to be in a cap crunch, and every year they come back with players that I don't think they should be able to come back with. So, I mean, I know some people are like, "Well, you know, Tampa's gonna be pissed next year," and I think you're gonna see you're gonna see them push right back to the final. I'm like. I don't know about that, but but I'm, I, they'll still be a very good team. What if they make it to the final next year and lose? Are they still not a dynasty? Like I just don't like. I don't know what the debate could be anymore. Like you really needed that those two more wins out of them to be like now they're a dynasty. Um, it's it'll be interesting though because despite what I said, I do think they they end up losing like a guy like Palat and. He's, he's meant a lot to them. Um, and we'll, we'll see what ends up happening in the long run with that team. I think with Colorado, there's like obviously even more question marks. Like the fact that I think is Burakovsky a UFA? Like I think he's mm-hmm. probably gone. I think it sounds like they want to try to keep Machushkin. Um, with, with the Avs, though, they have 25 mil. You got to give them that other 25 mil. <laughs> Uh, granted they are missing like half of a forward core mm-hmm. um but it will be interesting and a goalie they also are losing Kemper so like they've got some real tough decisions to make and I mean they've they got are not they are but, not in cap hell they do have the the McKinnon extension to right, consider, right. but um and this has always been kind of like the going logic uh Eric Johnson's six million comes off the books next season and that's like basically the McKinnon extension is like you you take his six million and add it to McKinnon's six point three, and you know he probably won't even quite cost that much. So, um, you know, they have to be a little smart, but like they don't necessarily have to think like, oh, everybody's leaving. Kadri 
you assume is going to be too expensive. Um, it's so weird because they like, keep saying that, but then they're also like, but they really want to make it work. And I'm like, okay, well, sure. <laughs> I don't depends. know how, I mean, but it, sure. It, it always depends, right? Like if Kadri wants to sign three by five, they'll probably keep him. But <laughs> he, like, I know he probably likes it there. And I would also be tempted if you're on like one of the best teams to be like, I should stay here. But also, dude, you can make freaking bank. You're going to make over $8 million a year for the next like seven years if you go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Look, what I'm trying to say is leave this conference so I don't have to hear about Blues fans pitching about you for the next like seven years. Please, please. Please, please just be I'm a flyer. Ian, I need your help because um, just – scrolling twitter to make sure we don't miss any updates uh i found this picture of tyler chipoli's four year ago uh bridal party and besides milan lucic i need you to help tell me who's in this photo. uh there's one guy that looks like uh rupper i know it's not him but it looks like him i'm sure some of these guys aren't nhl players but they all look like nhl players right uh, I know the guy on the far right. I just can't figure out who it is. You figure out a lot. You figure a lot of them are kings. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I I shouldn't have drug us down this path, but uh, he, he went with a cream colored suit. Okay. Yeah. Hey, he okay. kind of pulled it off almost. Yeah. Uh, so many. Canadians fans underneath saying, please come back. Like, I don't think you know how contracts work. Right? <laughs> you, had your, you had your chance. You blew it. Um, anyway, sorry. Moving on uh, from the Toffoli wedding party. Um, Toffoli is a fantastic young forward who is undervalued by many teams in this league. Kevin Fiala is a fantastic <laughs> young forward who is overvalued. Uh, by all evidence, by at least one team in this league. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings making the first major move of the summer, trading a first-round pick and University of Minnesota captain Brock Faber, uh, confirmed Minnesota Wild fan Brock Faber, mm-hmm. uh, a first-round pick last year to the Minnesota Wild for the rights to restricted free agent Kevin Fiala. Uh, who they then signed to a seven-year, $7.9 million mm-hmm. extension. Um, the To further counter Jackass Andy Strickland's uh, point, um, I, have, I have nothing against Andy Strickland except everything. <laughs> but um, the Kings are evidence of, to me of how to do a, a rebuild really badly. Like, re- like phenomenally badly. Um, to me, they have just like kind of trapped themselves uh, in like, I don't know, like not cap hell, but like they're just kind of stuck in the middle where it's like maybe they really think that the prospects they have that are like right on the edge of, of in the league or making an impact or like truly game changers, you know, your, your, uh, Kaliev's and your, your byfields and your Turcotts and, and those guys are like really game changers for them. Um, mm-hmm. Gabe Velarde, Carl Grunstrom, those guys, Sean Dersey, but like, uh, I don't know. It just seems like they, it seems like they're kind of doing stuff just to do stuff. And like, if I would, 
I would not look at Philip Deneau and Kevin Fiala as like the last two pieces of my rebuild and Victor Arvidsson to a lesser extent, you know, like, are they fine? Yeah, they're fine. But like, are they going to get me over the hump when I barely made the playoffs this year? You know, like, I don't know. Fiala, very, very offensive player point per game this year. But you look at his charts, he is not a two-way player. I guess that's what you put him on the line with Andre Kopitar for. But, um, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about the Kings right now and, and this move more particularly, more specifically? Yeah, I mean, it does kind of feel like they're trying to push towards being relevant again really quickly. And part of me thinks it's like because they have Andre Kopitar with two years left on his contract and he's – uh, 34, they've got Dowdy for, doesn't they have Dowdy for a little bit longer than that? Oh yeah, there he is, he's hurt for like five more years, like 11 million for a cap, but like he's also 32, um, declining a bit. So I just wonder if they're like, man, we really got to try and utilize these two guys while they're still here and not beat to hell. <laughs> but I mean, I think this moves fine for them in the sense that they needed scoring badly um Kevin Fiala 30 goal scorer last year 30 plus goal scorer last year can deliver that that's good in the long run he also like didn't do anything in the playoffs <laughs> against the Blues so that'd be that would worry me I feel like no one else other than a wild fan or a Blues fan would really notice that or care um but just having been in the postseason against him like uh that's a big like red flag for me especially if you're paying like essentially two firsts um, for that. I, yeah, I think when I think of two firsts for Kevin Fiala, I'm like, eh, I guess you didn't give up a roster player. A first and a second. Be, I'm sorry. Bro, oh, first and second. A second. What was the second? I well, then it. this is a slam dunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. I just think I'm trying to think from like the Blues perspective. Obviously, they're not in the same position the Kings, but if I like put them there or you know, just try and think of it abstractly. I'm like, oh, if the Blues got Kevin Fiala for a first and a second, I'd be like, that's fine. If anything, I'd be more like 7.9 million. I'm like, hey, 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 hey. That feels like a lot for a long time for a guy that, I don't know, just is, is a scorer, but not like a premier scorer to me. Like, maybe that's just my perception. I'm totally off. But like, I'm like, yeah, this guy can score, but I'm not like, he's not, I don't know. He's just not that big of a deal in my eyes. Like, but they were really hard for scoring in the in the postseason and really just all season long. I think for last year, like their expected goals is like the lowest in the league, like for pretty much the entirety of the year. Um, mm-hmm. So they needed something. But I just is is Kevin Fiala that guy though? Right. Like, That's what I mean. I'm like, is that what you're spending it on? Wouldn't shouldn't you or wouldn't you like, have like waited for the other? I mean, he's a current predator, but the other predator to become available and uh, freaking who am I thinking of? What's his name? I'm blanking now. Forsberg. Like maybe Nashville ends up signing him, and maybe you, that's the the smoke you're seeing. You're like, oh, we we'd never even get him in the first place. But like, mm-hmm. that's the guy. I'd be like, yo, that guy's like an actual like an actual score, and I would spend this amount of money to put him on my team. Yeah. um yeah i don't know <laughs> what was someone saying they were basically like this sets the market for like you know for scorers or you know um scoring wingers or whatever 
and I forget who it was. Oh, it was someone posted some sort of meme. So it's supposed to be Don Sweeney freaking out now that David Pasternak is, you know, up after this year. And they're uh, like, you just gave Kevin Fiala $7.9 million. Also, also, Ian, I have never seen better proof that we need to trade Tarasenko. I don't want to, but like. Yeah, holy if balls. That's, if that's the market, if you can get that kind of trade form and if he's going to be expecting $8 million plus next year, contract which he may well be it's like i'm sorry we can't give you that so mm. bye-bye like like uh, anyway i don't know. i would i do wonder like the kind of like tail a little towards the blues i i do wonder there's just a lot of talk there's a lot of talk about a lot of talk there's a lot of stuff that's supposedly being mentioned and talked about in the lead up to the draft and i know that always kind of happens but it does, they have talked to like Friedman and, and CJ and stuff. And it sounds like they're like, yeah, there's like a lot of like irons in the fire right now for a lot of different teams. And I've, we've heard like nothing from the blues, like Which is always presser. when you know something's brewing. Yeah. Like nothing. Like there hasn't been a like, oh yeah, we've been talking with David Perron's agent and stuff. Not that I think that's the, the weird, like, I don't think that's what's going on or anything, mm-hmm. but you just haven't heard. <laughs> There's it. a lot of irons in the fire. The Blues are going to resign. <laughs> David Perron. There's a lot of talk about it's this hot. surefire thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it does make me wonder about trades and it does make me wonder about, like, what's going to be happening these next, like, two weeks. Because what we're a week away essentially from the first round of the draft, and then we're less than two weeks away from the beginning of free agency. Which we get to watch together. Yeah. That's right. That draft. Uh, I'm God, I'm excited. Yeah, it's just like um, to, to kind of tie it back into the Tifoli thing or the Tifoli thing, different <laughs> uh, scoring LA winner. Um, to tie it back into Fiala, like that just seems like a trade that you make because he is a guy that's available. And mm. I feel like doug armstrong you just never see do that really um i guess you know i thought that's what he did with letty but like Mm -hmm. a trade deadline thing's a little different because the pool is limited but like um you know when when the news broke today that mcdonough was that the like we're working on a trade and some some blues people were like well maybe he fits here i'm like hey doug armstrong's not Drayton for Ryan McDonough four years at almost seven million. Ryan McDonough, are you out of your mind? Like, I I don't know who he's gonna trade for, but it's like it's not Ryan McDonough. I know that much, you know. And I was like, bro, if you think our top four is gonna be McDonough, Pareko, Krug, and Falk, uh, one of them's leaving. Yeah, if we're gonna yeah, bring him for in. sure, for sure. So I don't know. It's just I feel like I feel like our team's in very good hands. We talked about that some last week, I think, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're going to trade Tarasenko and trade up and get your, your Juradge Slavikrovsky guy or whatever. That's right. Juradge. Come on, Juradge. That's something we got to get them. People down in the freaking Festus would definitely Uh-oh. be like, come on, Juradge. Juradge, you're our boy. Uh, all right. So I never ain't back. seen no name with two J's. <laughs> moving back 
to the uh, coaching carousel we talked about last week. We can move through these a little quicker. Uh, the Blues have officially, now, well, not officially, I suppose, in the sense that the team has announced it, but it's gone from like, oh, this might be happening to like, this is for sure happening. Uh, we'll be losing penalty kill coach, uh, assistant coach Jim Montgomery to the Boston Bruins. This is a uh, not a surprise. Montgomery was a very successful NHL head coach with the Stars until um, his battle with alcoholism removed him from behind the bench, and he got a second chance with the Blues, and obviously has you know continued in his path of recovery. And um, much as I don't like that he's going to the Bruins of all places, much as I kind of hope like maybe somehow he'll stick around until he's our next head coach. Mm. Um, I'm certainly happy for the guy that he's built his. Uh, career back and it's really cool even though the Bruins you know probably aren't going to be the same team they've been in the coming years like it is very cool that he gets his his next shot as a head coach in a true like original six legendary franchise type of place you know so good for him right. how long have you been here like two years two years I think yeah mm-hmm. two and a half maybe maybe he came back like did he come in when Baruby got promoted no, he wasn't here yet then. No. I don't think. Um, yeah, so maybe just two. But um be interesting to see what the Blues do to replace him. Um, we'll get uh, Andrew Burnett. Yeah. Would he Andrew want to Burnett? be an assistant again? I don't know. But I feel like he could I feel like he'd fit on a Craig Berube staff though, you know. Right. Go get Mike Yo as a coach of oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um Mike Yo still what, has a job, right? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I think he unless he got hired again? somewhere else. Yeah, probably somewhere. Okay. Um, let me look it up. Uh, one person who the Blues won't be able to hire as their assistant is Gru from Despicable Me, um, as he'll now be coaching the uh, Detroit Red Wings. What's his real name, Ian? Are you aware? Uh, Derek Lalonde, I want to say. Uh, yeah, Derek Lalonde, exactly. Um you know, the longtime assistant for the Lightning, correct? Not a mm-hmm. surprise that the Iser plan would reach in uh, to the Lightning um, coaching pool and grab someone from under John Cooper's uh, thumb. I was actually kind of curious because John Cooper made some comments uh, that some people were like, "Wait, did it sound like you won't be back next year?" Um, I was kind, I was kind of like, "Is is is going to somehow pull off like poaching John Cooper out of uh, Tampa?" But he didn't, uh, and so well, it's Milan. And I would be lying to you if I pretended I had any more thoughts on that than I've already said. Um, Luke Richardson uh, hired by the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> Uh, so this is their Jeff Blashville, uh, as you pointed out. Um, yeah, he's going to be the guy that's going to be there forever as they rebuild. And then we'll be, you know, mercy, mercy killed when they're actually good again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jeff Blashill, speaking of which, is apparently the front runner in Winnipeg. Your thoughts on that? <laughs> How do you go from, uh, from Barry Trotz being like Barry Trotz is going to be our coach? To, uh, you know what? Now it's going to be uh, Jeff Blaschel, everyone. I hope you're all just as excited about Jeff Blaschel as uh, the rest of the Winnipeg front office is. Uh, I mean, I guess he's only, I've only ever seen him coach a crappy Detroit Red Wings team. So maybe he's better with a 
crappy Winnipeg Jets team. Like, I can't that, imagine your team wanting to get traded. Like, you know, Blake Wheeler is going to be out the door. Freaking Mark Scheifele doesn't want to be there. Uh, what's his name? an RFA. Um, Dubois is an RFA, and he doesn't really want to be there. And they're like, hey, everyone, Jeff Blanchel's the coach. I'm like, eh, okay, I'm done for this year, I think. Like, yeah. I'm sort of packing in. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like uh, – I get Mike Yo vibes. I was wondering last week, I think I wondered on this podcast or in other mediums, uh, whether they would go out and find a guy that they would not have any conscience firing if Barry Trotz <laughs> decided he did want to coach again in Winnipeg. And I think that's exactly what they've done. They Barry Trotz in, wants to coach in December. Get the fuck out of here, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> they brought in high school biology teacher, Jeff Blaschel. Um, and, uh, you know, he'll be their coach until they want him not to be anymore. He needs to have assistant coach. Uh, what's his name? Reardon. Is that his name? Yeah. Oh, that's vice the principal vice principal. Yeah. Um, promoted from the middle school to the high school. Um, Hall of Fame class, Ian, uh, a, a nightmare from my childhood. The Sedine, the Sedines have, have entered the Hall of Fame, mm. um, Incredible careers, obviously made all the more incredible by the fact that they were brothers doing it together. Um, but Henrik had 1,330 games, just 240 goals, but 830 assists uh, for 1,070 assists. He won two King Clancy Awards. Uh, he won a Hart Trophy and an Art Ross Trophy in the 29-10 season with 112 points. Um 83 assists. He led the league in assists uh, three years in a row, starting with that season. Um, he was uh, two-time after postseason All-Star, and uh, though he never won the Cup, obviously uh, was um, you know a celebrated um, face of a franchise-type player, along with his brother Daniel, the not quite as good one. Mm, I think that's right. Um, that's right. Who, who uh, had in his own respect 1,306 career games, 1,041 points, many more goals, 393. Uh, he won not a Hart Trophy, but a um, Pearson Award uh, and an Art Ross Trophy um, himself uh, for 104 points in the 2010-2011 season. And if I recall, didn't they both miss chunks of the season that the other one won the major trophy and i guess not i guess um i guess henrik played all 82 in both seasons so i guess i made that up but um you know obviously i think i think there are some people out there who are kind of saying well like if they weren't twins and they weren't <laughs> on the same team their whole career would they have gone in on the first ballot and it's like I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, mm -hmm. think, I think if you have guys with over a thousand points in, in the more or less modern era who both have an art Ross trophy and a version of the MVP, um, Daniel finished second in heart trophy voting the year he won the uh, Pearson, but like, yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's, I think, I think they're Hall of Famers, like mm -hmm. maybe they're second ballot Hall of Famers if they're not twins, but also they are twins. 
twins and they are famous for being twins. And everyone who liked hockey when we were growing up remembers the Sedins playing. Um, I don't know. Like, there's no controversy there to me. Um, and then their longtime teammate, Roberto Luongo, uh, 1,044 games in his career. 1,044 games for a goalie. That's nuts. Oh, that's crazy. Um, 614. Uh, wait, what's that? 614 starts? That can't be right out of 1,044 games. Now I'm very confused. So let's just go with 614 <laughs> starts, 489 wins. Oh, oh, that's why. Because the, fir- the first like eight, six seasons of his career they hadn't start counting starts yet so um that makes sense he's played so long yeah somewhere closer to 1044 games uh eight 489 wins a career save percentage 919 252 um goals against average kind of crazy never won a vesna trophy uh, really? Just a Jen- Jennings Trophy in 2010-2011, uh, um, but, you know, a, a career stat leader in, in many of the categories of um, of uh, goalies and, uh, you know, I think a all-time great goalie when you look at the stats. I'm trying to look it up right now, some of the goalie records, but um, fourth in all-time wins, uh, you know, talking second to all time games played behind Brodeur, uh, top 10, ninth and shutouts. So, like, yeah, pretty hard to argue um, that he's not one of the best to ever do it in between the pipes, um, ninth in, in save percentage among goalies. I'm sure there's some qualification on here um, for, you know, how long they played. It doesn't tell me right off the top oh at least uh 200 career games played so uh ninth all time in save percentage in that metric as well um so yeah you know a very, a very good goalie i think is the, <laughs> is the clear uh conclusion there that you can draw henrik lundquist uh will be eligible next year and will be a hall of famer next year but mm-hmm. um I don't think anybody really had any issue with any of the um, um, Canucks picks. Do you agree with that? Yes, yeah, I think in general everyone thought those 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 three should be in for sure. Um, there was a big concern. No, no, no. Yeah, no. there was. Uh, I would say quite a bit more argument about the Daniel Alfredson um, selection. Uh, Alfredson, one of those guys, hockey does this a lot where it's like, he was really, really good and he played for one team his whole career. And so that should put him over. Um, uh, But um, I'm not sure that... I agree. I don't know. I don't feel strongly either way about Daniel Alfredson. He had 1,157 points. He had 1,246 games. He never won an individual trophy except for the Calder. He made one all-star appearance. Uh, he did win the Clancy and the Messier, but, you know, those are kind of bullshit <laughs> awards. Never a statistical leader. 
Um, never won a Stanley Cup, obviously. Um, I'd have to look up his international record. Uh, but an Ottawa legend, um, a, uh, um, you know, fantastic player throughout his career. I don't really have a problem. To me personally, like, I do think if you are the face of a franchise for 20 years, like that does matter, you know, mm-hmm. like I, it's, we, we have such weird, cause everybody feels like everybody's always shifting on the hall of fame where it's like one year, it's like, well, you have to have won cups. You can't not win cups um, mm. and be in the hall of fame. And then it's like, well, you know, cups don't matter that much, but you have to have individual hardware. If you don't have individual hardware, you can't be in the hall of fame. And it's like, this dude has, Olympic gold medal, two world championships, silver medals, as well as an Olympic silver medal. Uh, he was an all rookie team member. He won the King Clancy and the Messier, which don't matter, but he did win the Calder trophy. He was an all-star selection. He was an SHL champion before his career. Um, he also talked shit about Eugene Melnick, which I think wins some points in my book, rest in peace, but you know, during his life, not so great. Um, and, uh, <laughs> as Ian just shakes his head disapprovingly. Um, it's fine. I just think, I don't know. I just, I don't get why some people are like, really, you're putting Daniel Alfredson in? It's like, yeah, dude, 1150 points in in the modern era of playing with nobody in friggin', you know, Ottawa. It's like pretty impressive. I think that's another thing we never consider is it's like he only had 1150 points and he never won a cup. Well, that's because he was on shitty Ottawa teams. Imagine what he might have done with good line made somewhere else, you know? Right. I mean, they made it to the what year was that? 2007? I mean, they made it to the Mm -hmm. final. Um, They had some decent teams. Yeah, I I mean, I flip-flop I feel like a lot between like small hall, big hall and I think in general, if I could start off, if we could start the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame all over, I'd say small hall. Like, I want it to be like, dude, this is like the the elite. These are like the most famous people in hockey. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's enough people that are on the fence for me that are in the hall. That I'm like, man, if you're like, if you're a famous hockey player and for like, obviously like good, good reasons, not infamous, but famous and you're, and you're, a good hockey player, at the very least, then like you could you can be in, and like Alfredson is the sense. Like maybe young kids or you know people today and stuff don't think of him now, um, having been whatever three or four years removed and ending his career and with the Red Wings. But like for yeah, twenty years he was like the face of that franchise, and he wasn't even like the face of the franchise and like just an okay player. He wasn't like. 20 years of David Backus getting, you know, 40 point seasons or whatever. It's like, he was a very good player for them that whole time. So to me, it's, I get the argument that it's like, yeah, he doesn't have all the individual accolades. Um, Like you said, he was never like a statistical leader, but he also wasn't just like some schmuck. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I think there is an argument to be made. Well, like, well, if he's making him, where's like Alexander McGill, you know, McGillney and stuff, where it's like these guys are. Um, For sure. The, I'm who's not the other one that always, yeah. Sergey Gonchar's one. Um, 
I'm not saying there aren't other more deserving people. I put Keith Kachuk in ahead of Daniel Alfredson, mm-hmm. for example. Um, I'd probably put Pierre Dergeon in. I mean, I know a lot of people disagree with that, but like, I think it's just kind of that. I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem to me like he's the one that there should be quite as much fear over. Yeah. Right. 1,150 points for one franchise that he was the face of for like two decades. It's not that controversial to me. Um, a lot of people angry that there was only one woman inducted this year when they're allowed at least two or a maximum of two. Uh, her name was Rika Salonen. She is apparently a legendary Finnish player, and I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot more than that. Um, and then in the builder category, Herb Carnegie, who was a, a very famous uh, black hockey player, never played in the NHL. Um, you made a good question here, which is like, why not just induct him as a player? It's the Hockey Hall of Fame, not the NHL Hall of Fame. Uh, I kind of tend to agree with you, but I also kind of feel like how much does it matter? Like, is it actually a distinction that, yeah, really, yeah. you know, like a builder almost feels like it carry in that case carries more weight almost to me because it's like you know like yeah what he did on the ice matter but like his legacy is really the people he inspired and mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing but I, I sort of agree it's like why couldn't you be both or or a player but um that's the hockey hall of fame class this year can't say that i um feel you know I feel a little more passionate about the baseball hall of fame, I guess, just because it's like a little more measurable and clear and like, this is what defines a hall of famer, but like, um, not that there aren't plenty of debates there, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good class. I think it's, I think a, it's a good class. distinction for hockey. There's no real measurable anything. Just like well, the like, sport. It does seem like they're always changing. Cause it's like, you know, on Puck Soup today, they were talking about these guys. And it's like, oh, they only had 270 goals. And it's like, okay, but Daniel Offenson had 450, and you don't think he should be in either. So it's like, pick mm-hmm. a side, you know? Um, the draft is coming up, and we can move through this fairly quickly because I'm not a draft expert under the best of circumstances, and I haven't studied that as much this year as I sometimes do. But, but we'll um, be experts next year or next week. Oh, yes. We will know everything about these players. It, it just don't question us. We just do. Um, just like Jake Neighbors, you know, not very good. Everybody thinks that the Blues should pick a defenseman. I think that the Blues should pick the best available player, which I'm just hoping will be a defenseman. <laughs> um, Agreed. But uh, the Athletic talked about our need for a defenseman, uh, and then you shared a bunch of uh, players who uh, different outlets have selected for us as our potential um 23rd overall pick which will be our first round pick you want to run through some of those names and descriptions or would you prefer that i do no i can run through some of these so yeah like some of these the most or most of them will be actually like reporters or talking about who's available at the blue second i was like most of the most of our draft picks will actually be reporters (laughs) no most of these um most of these picks will be from reporters that uh, are actually like saying this person's available at 23 and I think the Blues should like, pick them. Some of these later ones are definitely just like, um, like Bob McKenzie's like top 30 or 32, you know, picks 
for like draft uh, eligible eligible players, and this is their twenty third best one. So if you go by by the metric that a lot of teams do, where you're supposed to be drafting like the best player that's available, this would be who possibly that best player would be, mm-hmm. kind of outside of like what the Blues would actually need. So yeah, so NHL.com had like two different reporters pick um, for the Blues. The first reporter said. Seamus, I think it's a Seamus Casey, a defenseman in the USA U18. I'm in. I'm anybody would want a draft named Seamus. I'm in. That's right. Uh, they said injuries during the Stanley Cup playoffs shined a light on the Blues' depth issues on the blue line. So selecting defenseman in the first round for the first time since 2012, Jordan Schmaltz, could be the direction they take. Casey's skating and hockey sense are top end, and while he's not big, only 5'9, 162 pounds. Uh, he's able to get low enough to move bigger players from in front of the net and battles along the boards. Um, uh, yes, because drafting Jordan Schmaltz in the first round worked <laughs> so well for us. I can't see I'm surprised it's been that long. Guy. Yeah. Um, that's my problem here. Like, we have an undersized guy, and everybody wants to get rid of him as good as he is. So, like, why would you pick another one? I do um, think, yeah, as much as, like, you can – do well with smaller defensemen. I think having too many of them can also be an issue. So it's like maybe not looking for a giant, but maybe like an average uh, male height. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or slightly above average. Um, you know, short King summer is over. Uh, the right. other, the other writer said that the blue pick Nathan is this going to be French? It's going to be French. So I would never pronounce it. Gotcha. No. So how would I pronounce it? You don't want to participate. You don't want to participate in gotcha journalism. Uh, (laughs) Gaucher, I would guess. Gaucher. I'm not not convinced. Gaucher would be Shay. So Gaucher. I'm I'm going with Gaucher. 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 We say Gravoy here, so that's That's right. Sorry, folks. That would be the St. Louis pronunciation. Would be like Gaucher. (laughs) Go sure. Go sure. Yeah, there you go. That let's go with go sure. Go sure. Uh this said a strong right shot center uh is used, can be used in all situations. He scored five shorthanded goals and five power play goals this season. Very balanced. He's six foot three, 207 pounds, can play physical, has solid presence in front of the opposing net. He had 57 points, 31 goals, and 26 assists in 66 games. 57 this year. points in the queue? I know, right? Not very good. Ooh, none of these picks are exciting me yet. He, yet. He's coming yeah. in underneath the uh, very valuable line that is under uh, Demetra. Demetra mm. would have scored more, so therefore, that's not, right. Not a good queue player. Demetra, just to be clear, Justin Hornaker's cat, not, that's right. not an actual. Not, not Pavel Demetra recipes. That's um, right. The Athletic picked for the Blues said that they should pick Ryan Chelsea, a right-handed Chesley. defenseman. Chesley? Nah, it's Chelsea. Um, <laughs> Ryan Chesley, right-handed defenseman from the U.S. Uh, what is that? What is it called? National Development Team. Uh, USHL. This is this will be uh, expanded upon in the next pick here in a second, but they said Ryan's regarded as a safe pick and pretty close to NHL ready because of his skating and defending. I'm like, wow, what, what insight. Um, so Bleacher Report also had the Blues picking Ryan Chesley at that uh, 23, and they said the St. Louis Blues have just one right shot defenseman among their top 15 prospects. Chesley of the UN of the U.S. National Development Team 
could be a fine option to help them bolster their depth at that position over the long term. He's garnered praise from Daily Faceoff's Chris Peters, uh, no relation, as one of the most well-rounded defensemen in this year's draft. He you was saying no relation about people named Peters comes up more often on this podcast than I think. I know, right? And there's, I, and there's I enjoy too many it every of time them. it does. Yeah. <laughs> there's too many. And some of them are bad. Um, let's see. He was impressed with his six foot, he's impressed with his six foot height and two hundred one pound and skating uh, and his defensibilities and good hockey sense. Though he didn't put up big offensive numbers, he still had a respectable 29 points in 59 games with the development group um, ranked 18th among the 18th among North American skaters. He will attend the University of Minnesota next season, of course. Of course, uh, skating in NCAA will enable him to build on his defensive abilities while also working on his offensive game. He can prove to be a solid addition to the Blues defensive core once he's ready to move on from university hockey. Did um, they say whether he's a righty or a lefty? I believe he's a righty. Okay. So that that's what they need that, but so also he'll be right-handed every time he steps onto the ice. That's right. That's right. He'll be right-handed, 201 pounds, six <laughs> foot. That's what I'm talking about, baby. I don't I no five footers, you know, no yeah. five niners for me. I need a I need a six foot hunk of man. Yeah. Um, he's he's also like 18. So um this seems like a very that. <laughs> yeah, this, this seems like a safe pick and like kind of maybe the boring pick they would they would make this this makes they me never sad make, they never make the boring picks though that's, that's right though like i do i do feel like they always pick some rando that i'm like huh and not like We're crazy always, off the board but i'm always out like, mm. though you know jake that's true. was way off the board um some fun i do remember when they picked barbershop because he, what he was like a first round or two or like very beginning of the second, round. second i think yeah, yeah. And are still available, and there was like two people on like HF boards, which was just like you know just a hellhole. Like it's just random people <laughs> screaming in the void, people being like, "The Blues should really get Barbershop." And I was like, "I just like the name," <laughs> and they draft him. Like, oh, I guess we'll see what happens. And he, he turned out pretty good. So, you know, draft people on names eleven. That's that's what I say. That's right. Um, Sportsnet has the Blues. Oh, I think actually this is where you're getting into. Not the Blues pick. Sports just has the 23rd best prospect that's available in the draft is Liam Ogren, a right winger uh, in the Swedish U20 league. He showed plenty of character as Sweden's captain, playing effectively while injured at the U18s. He's a responsible leader who plays a full 200 foot game and can be used in all situations. Extends nothing, play. Nothing sexier than words like character and responsible. I know. Make you really think this player is going to light up the league. A real, a real uh, Patrick Bergwin type. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. And I said he uh, extends play on the offensive zone with his compete. He battles oh, on the God. wall and around the crease to win pucks. Good stick. He has the, I like how that's just a sentence. Good <laughs> stick. He has the ability to make plays in small areas. Off the rush, he also has better than average skill and can be creative. A well-rounded prospect who plays the game the right way. This guy, um, Ogrim, I've actually seen a lot of lists as going like in the teens, like in the mid teens. So I'm like, I don't know, Sportsnet has them as 23, but this also strikes me as someone that's going to go a lot earlier. I see that a lot too with these sometimes for the Blues, because like we talked about earlier, they're always picking in the 20s. I'll see some guy falling to like 23, 24, 25 on someone's list. I'm like, oh, he's available. And then I'll check like 
20 other lists and they'll be like, yeah, he's um, number 12 on everyone else's list. And I'm like, okay, so mm-hmm. no. And then it always seems to go that way. Um, Bob McKenzie's 23rd best is Owen Pickering, the defenseman uh, out of Swift Current, six foot four, hundred eight pounds. I was going to look up something on him before this, but I got distracted because Bob McKenzie, the bigger thing here uh, with Bob McKenzie's list is that he doesn't have Shane Wright as a number one overall That's pick right. this year. He has uh, the aforementioned Juraj Slavkovsky. <laughs> <laughs> um, going first and the the bigger deal here is that while that doesn't really necessarily mean anything it does sort of because bob has like a record of like since 2008 or something of like being correct on who like the first overall pick is going to be um granted a lot of the times it's like a pretty heavy consensus like who it's going to be but i mean i think you put he sure over nolan you put hall over um am I thinking of the other guy Taylor Hall Tyler um, Sagan over Sagan, Sagan. Yeah, yeah. um he put McDavid over Eiffel what a, what a monster um so it's just it's it's interesting I think he pointed out too like I was saying that his list is just like how he sees the top 32 shaking out when it comes to who the best player is but it, that might not be the player that say like Montreal needs um, and maybe Montreal's like, hey, we definitely need a center. Shane Wright is pretty much the consensus overall, you know, first overall, even if some people are saying that Uri is, should be like the second or even the first for us. I think we're still going to go with Shane Wright. But it, I think it's just fun because it leaves a little bit of a question for them. And I think maybe if it was... Um, Who's their, who's their old Bergevin? If it was Bergevin was still the GM, I'd be like, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. He might actually go Slavkovsky. He might go for someone. He might go for Logan Cooley, for Christ's sakes. Um, I still think they're probably taking Shane Wright, but it does put a little wrinkle into like, oh, this is fun. I'm actually like looking forward to the first overall pick because I actually don't know who it's yeah. going to be. You got to listen for when they start talking about where that person's from or what league they play. <laughs> Sometimes I wish they would do that and they just like, pause and then just say the name yeah because yeah. they're be always like coming from Slikovsky from you know yeah i'm like it would it'd make it be a little more interesting but i'm excited i don't know I, like you said i think the blues probably need to draft defensemen we don't have even really that many coming up in our system right now that are very exciting i think that's a big deal is like we need defensemen we need to bolster our top four right now in reality and like the actual NHL, but we also need to like bolster that pipeline because there's really no one uh, coming down. Like we had Prunovich and he's here. So like mm-hmm. the next person is honestly like, what do you even know? I honestly don't even know. Like we don't have one. <laughs> we have yeah. some, we have some guys that might turn into something, but no one that's like, this is a top six guy for sure. Um, Tyler yes. Tucker. We have Tyler Tucker. <laughs> That's right. And he's good. All of that, too, rests on the entirely uncertain presumption that we actually keep our first round pick and use Ooh, it yeah. to draft a player. Oh, yeah. By, by no means a guarantee. So trade uh, up. Trade up, Army. <laughs> trade up. Uh, I love this time of year. I mean, everybody does. So I, I'm not alone in that. But like, I'm excited for the draft. I'm excited for a week from tonight. We'll know who, we'll know if the 
Blues use this pick or if they uh, traded or what they've done. So I'm looking forward to that. You have anything else you want to say before we get off of here? I saw Top Gun. That was a oh, good yeah. movie. A very good movie. Really, good. it was actually it was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, for move in terms of like hyped, hyped <laughs> to the max movies, yeah. I was like, yeah, this was dope, and um, they managed to do well enough. Like, uh, you know, I feel like um, I rewatched the first run right before uh, this right you know the day before i went to watch this um mm. and i don't know when i last saw top gun one it's dope as hell but it's also kind of like top gun one moves so frantically that it's like, oh yeah it's like oh oh whoa 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 <laughs> you know it's like uh what's her name is like hates his guts one scene and then like the next scene he's driving to her house and she's like barely resisting sleeping with him and i'm like how's this happening i mean i guess i would barely resist sleeping with young dom cruz too or old dom cruz he took her breath away yeah um, that's right um that's the 80s though man that's just the 80s you know but that's how it uh, was. but i do feel like um maverick did a really good job of like walking the line between total fan service nostalgia and like telling a new story that's actually good and creating new characters which i don't know if they plan to turn this into a franchise at all or not but like i do think it, i think it was really well done and uh, pretty cool um so you know definitely go see it if you haven't uh i also really want to see elvis i know that's kind of nerdy but that's one i'm looking forward to what's the space is a crazy director so that's right I haven't seen the jurassic park movie yet either so Lots oh, of things out there. It's like the first, looks like a stink. It's like the real first real season. Oh, Thor's out to, tonight too, isn't it? It's like the first real summer of blockbusters post COVID. You know, mm. where it's like, oh, you could go to the theaters and see all these things. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, anything you'd like to discuss before we get out of here? Ian? Um, that that the Braden Shen trade ruined me for the drafts. Now I'm always waiting for something uh, super fun to happen. An incredible night. Trading for Shin, drafting Thomas, and trading for Costin. I kicked this podcast off. It'll never be topped. And I can't I can't wait until Thursday when it will be topped by the Vancouver Canucks. So (laughs) (laughs) um, until then, folks, we'll probably record either that night or very shortly thereafter. Uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Uh, good night. See ya.